Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, welcome to the show. This is the Millennial Millionaire Podcast, and I am your host, Stephen Cohen. This podcast is focused on bringing some of the wisest minds from across the globe to discuss concepts, strategies, and ideals that will lead them to be top performers in their respective industries and their lives. This show is for the millennials and millennials at heart to transcend their mindset, their health, and their income to the next level. We are so excited to have you on this journey with us. Welcome to the show. Millennial millionaires, welcome back to the show. Excited for another episode today, guys. Another awesome guest. We have Mr. David Fishnuck. Uh, David flew all the way out here from Seattle to come out here and network. David launched his affiliate marketing business back in 2016. He is an elite fitness and mindset coach that focuses on helping young people become the best version of themselves physically and mentally. He has one of the most powerful stories that I've heard in a while from rags to riches. And most importantly, he's an amazing father, amazing husband, and human being. So thanks so much for coming out here, man. Hey, thank you for having me in this beautiful, hot state. And I'll tell you what, it's better than the heat in Florida, because I was just down there for the, basically the entire month of July, and it was a, it was 100 plus degrees, and it felt really, really humid. Down here, I'm like, oh, you just go to the shade, and you're pretty good. Bro, the dry is, is not too shabby. It's not. It's only bad. I was down here in January, and I stayed at the Vidara Hotel. Okay. And I walked out, and I got smacked in the face with cold wind. And a few of my friends were also down here, and they were like the next day they had like nosebleeds and stuff because they weren't they weren't ready for it. They're not know? ready for the dry, baby. No, they're not. Once you're down here, you're more used to it, right? You, you get used to it for sure. You get built different. Which is, I mean, you you adapt to your environment. That's what we do, right? That's it. That's what we're going to talk about in entrepreneurship, right? Adapting. So, David, for those that don't know you, give a, a quick little background about who you are, what you're about, and uh, we'll hop into it, man. Yeah. So, yeah, my name is David Fishchuk. I was born and raised in Seattle. Uh, my family came to America in the early '90s, and we were first-generation American family. Um, my brother was actually born in Ukraine, and then I was born just after. And then just after I was born, my parents split. So I was raised in a low-income family household with nothing but the clothes in our back when they came here, and we were raised on food stamps. It was just my mom, brother, and grandparents in a low-income apartment. And it's funny, I, I never, I have a dad. He's around, but he's not. I've seen him three times in my life, and I'm gonna start off pretty intense to begin with. I saw him once when I was like four or five years old and he came to my, um, my mom's place because he was a car mechanic and her car broke down. And so he came to help fix it. And so I got excited. And so I went into the um, into the living room and I was all excited. And he was basically sitting right here on the couch. And my mom was on the other side of the couch. And I'm walking over and he tries to like give me a hug and grab me, but he aggressively grabs me. And I felt this like very terrifying feeling. And I freaked out and I smacked him across the face. And then I ran to my mom. And after that, I didn't see him again until my grandpa passed away in 2018. And then again in 2019, my brother passed away. And those are the only three times. And it's difficult for a lot of people who have never had a, a father around or a stable family. It's, it's hectic, but also at the same time, I, always, I consider it a point of blessing. Because some people will take adversity and pain and not having something, like not having money, not having a family member, or losing a grandfather or someone in their family like my brother, and just falling apart to pieces or the statistics of just in general having no father around or no mother around when you're growing up. You end up incarcerated, drugs, all of that. That's the highest statistic is single parent family households. And it's interesting because we were a little bit different, me and my brother. We always kind of grew up with a little bit of a chip on our shoulders just because we didn't have the dad and we saw everyone kind of looking down on us in our family. So unlike a lot of my family who went and did basic labor jobs, we went and got our degrees early. So we did this program in Seattle called Running Start, 
where you can finish high school and college at the same time mm. when you're a junior. So he got his degree in computer science, then I followed after that. But I never grew up with an entrepreneurial spirit at all. I only grew up thinking that I would just get a job and live my life and then maybe get married and have some kids and just nine to five. That's like everyone's aspirations. And nothing ever clicked for me, just that. And then of course, the lack of having a father around. My mom always said something very important that sticks to me today. That She told me whenever I would ask about my dad, she'd say, you may not have a father on earth, but you have a father in heaven who's smiling on you, who cares about you, wants the best for you, and is guiding you. So I use it as a guiding stone in my life. I have, I have these four Fs in my, in my life. I call it family, fitness, finances, and faith. The, those are the cornerstones of my life. And of course, the finances thing I never really cared about until now where I'm at in, in my journey of life, but those are the four pillars that are important to me to this day. And it's very interesting that a lot of people that have been basically raised with a silver spoon in their mouth, they don't know how to overcome adversity. They don't know how to overcome the pain, the hurt, the suck. But when you don't have much, you have to figure out how to make it work. Or you just end up being the average person who's behind on their bills 24-7. They can't get anywhere in life. Yeah. No, that's powerful, man. And, you know, I, I definitely want to hop into it. I feel like whenever, depending on your adversity or your privilege as a child, typically usually depends on some type of impact on how uh, the environment of that individual will will turn out long term. You know, I, I think the statistic is from the age of born to eight, will literally that conditioning, whether it came from an affluent family or came from a poverty family, will make a massive impact on that individual's life as they grow up. Because unconsciously, you know, we pick up things from our parents, we pick up things from our environment as we grow old. And if those habits, paradigms, beliefs, and values aren't addressed as we get older, they run ransom in our life and we don't know why we do the things that we do. So for you, it's interesting coming from a challenging environment like a lot of different people. Why do you think you were able to take that adversity and take that upbringing and turn it almost into a badge of honor and use it to catapult your life versus other people when bad things happen or maybe they only had, you know, maybe not a father in their life or an abusive relationship with a parent, they use that as a crutch and they never are able to go optimize their life to the way that they want to. Two things. I respected my mom and I still to this day more than anyone on this entire earth. She earned that respect. She worked multiple jobs, and when she was doing that, my grandparents babysat me and my brother. So for one, I respected her. She had to discipline us, of course, when we were little, but as we grew up, she disciplined us with her words, with, I feel like, in the right way of discipline. She would just explain what, what we did wrong and just say, you know, how we can be better, and she poured life into us. And the second is because I grew up in faith, and I think that's a very important thing for a lot of families that don't have it to the, that don't have any kind of church or anything to this day. Just the religious aspect of it, it builds value and character. Like right now, um, with how crazy school systems are, a lot of parents are sending their kids to a private Christian school, not because they themselves are Christian, but because of the values they teach. Mm. Because, like you said, up until eight, that is the most important binding years. So as I grew up, I had that reverence for my mom, for God, and I wanted to make sure that I was aligning my life in such a way and I wouldn't embarrass her, that I would live up to the expectations that she would have had, even if she didn't have to say them. And it's interesting because it's, uh, depending on how people feel about dogs, we had a dog that was from a puppy mill. We didn't know, but he was always very, very terrified. And no matter how well you trained him, he would always have this trigger in the back of his head, like he was still suffering. So like if you were to discipline him by like spanking his little butt when he runs away, or he pees in the carpet, 
he would freak out and he would revert back to his old self. And if you don't address these things at the young at a young age, it's very difficult. So having parents or at least something is extremely important, like you said, from, from zero to eight. And that's kind of how I am where I am today. Like we just had so much reverence for my mom and for God that when we got older, we're like, we want to get a degree. We want to make her proud and not like another mom who failed her kids. Yeah, no, that's powerful. Shout out to mom. Shout know. out to mom. You know, it, uh, I I forget the quote, but it said, growing up with a good parent or good parents and no money is one of the best things that can happen for an individual. Because similar to my story, I had two parents. They're great, super loving, super caring, always had everything that I needed. But financially, we always struggled. So growing up, naturally, as Tony Robbins talks about, you're either moving to pleasure or pain as human beings. So because there was so much relationship with money and the connotation was pain, naturally I wanted to essentially move to pleasure, which was acquire wealth, acquire money. Therefore, as I got into my older ages, really college, I started to realize, man, I need to create wealth. I need to create income. I need to figure out something so I can take care of my parents, take care of my family and not uh, go through a lot of the suffering financially that we did back in the day. Mm -hmm. For you, David, what was that point growing up? Obviously, you had to do a lot of reconditioning, a lot of shifting in terms of your mind and the upbringing that you you came from. But what was that shift that made you realize, man, I can go out there and create my own fate, my own destiny. It doesn't matter where I came from because I have the decision on where I'm going. You know what's very funny? It all happened around the same course of time where I found I met my wife. So we got married in August 15, 2015. Hmm. Well, I met her a couple years back just by name. So up until this entire point, my entire life was not even about entrepreneurship. I just want to make my mom proud in a way that like most families, just to get a degree, it doesn't matter what it is. They just want that badge of honor, as dumb as that sounds. Sure. Like I can care less if my daughter, she's two and a half now, if she ever goes to college or not. She got the investment set up for her, whatever she wants to do with it. Like we already set that all up, but I don't care. It's different now at our age, like where we've come in life, because we see things way different than than parents did with that old brain, right? And so I was working at Starbucks as a barista when I met my wife. And my mom actually introduced, she actually ran into her at a Christmas party from a mutual friend. So we got married very quick. We had our first date in July of 2014. I proposed to her of January 2015, then we got married in August of 2015. Uh. And I wouldn't have done that only because we both wanted to get married um, we got married young. I was 21. She was 18. So very young. But we both had a broken family growing up, and we both knew that we wanted to have a, a solid relationship, be married, be in it for the long haul. So that we had our foot there, but also because we met mutually through family friends, we kind of got the, the outside look of like, if there was gossip, it would be like, hey, she's a party girl. Didn't hear that. You know, and the, and the girl that the, the mutual friend in between was a gossiper. So I got a little bit of a clear for it. But she is quite literally the reason why I am where I am today. My mom set me up with the right mindset growing up that I would, because still, I mean, when I was 17 years old is when I first started working out and I did a workout program called P90X. Mm, I remember Ve it. Yeah, very popular. I mean, I did a little bit during COVID too because <laughs> I still had the DVDs. Yeah. Uh, but during that time, I was going to school. I had a job pushing carts at uh, a local grocery store. Courtesy clerk. Courtesy clerk. Uh, courtesy clerk at Safeway. Which is probably different. Where, where, where did Smith. you go? Same, Smith. Same brand. Same Kroger. brand. Kroger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was doing that, and then I didn't have a car at the time. So I would have to fit in the workout, the school, everything. And that that was my that was like a baseline of, of discipline right there, fitting it all in no matter what happened. 
on a Saturday. I still had to work out and go to the and go to um, to work. And then friends that always want to hang out. But I was like, I gotta work out. I gotta get money and do that. And so it wasn't like to get a lot. It was just that foundation was really cool. And so I always had something in there like just waiting to burst, and it was waiting for that that spark to hit. And so when I met my wife, she had a good friend, and her friend was in affiliate marketing. He had a yellow Lamborghini Murcielago. He lived in downtown Bellevue, which is a nicer area than Seattle. So Seattle's in its own little like area over here. Then there's a lake. Then there's Bellevue. It's kind of like a really nice um, area where Bill Gates lives and all these you know really wealthy people live. And so I met him. I heard of him. So I started following him on Instagram and I was like, oh, I want his life. Yeah. Something, there was a desire at that point. Because I didn't really care until you see someone around your age that is doing it. You know, like, I don't know what it is, but I want to figure it out. And then someone approached me in the in a, in network marketing from a company called Amway. Are you familiar with network marketing? Super familiar. Yeah. So that sparked my mind. And it was the spark of entrepreneurship. Because right when I met the first guy who introduced me to network marketing, I started. I got a job with my cousin in downtown Seattle working as a, a phone support. And so I would. I thought I was the coolest guy in the whole world. I got my degree. I got a job now. I lived about an hour outside of downtown Seattle. So I would drive in the morning and then I, to a bus stop, take the bus all the way to downtown Seattle. And the first day I got to the bus stop, I was like, this is so exciting. I'm with everybody. You know, the old guy with the briefcase, the young guy with the briefcase, we're all going in this together. You know, this is the world. And then I got introduced to network marketing. And then I started reading books. The first entrepreneurship book I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki. Then followed by no other than Think and Grow Rich. And the network marketing, I did it for a month. I signed up and then I asked for a refund. I was like, this is dumb. Because my my mentor was a guy who had a Toyota Corolla and lived in a beat up apartment, but he had a vision board, hmm. but he was doing it for five years and didn't do anything with it. So I was like, I don't, I can't look at that guy as like my mentor, you know? Yeah. And so I stopped, but what it did was really cool. It, it, it unlocked another thing in me. And it was like two, two events, the guy with the yellow Lambo and then network marketing, anything's possible. So I started visualizing. I'd go to like the city, I'd look at the apartments, we'd go on tours. Like what could life be now? I felt like I was at a point I was making 21 bucks an hour. And I was like, yeah. And then it really taught me a lot about what I wanted in life. And in June of 2015, I met the guy with the yellow Lamborghini at my cousin's wedding. And me and my cousin to this day, his name is Dima. We're very, very close in the same business now. And he pulls up in his yellow Lamborghini. It's a Mercy Lago. Doors go up. He's all suave. He's got his slick back hair with his Versace glasses, his blonde wife. And I was like, what do you do? And he said, I do affiliate marketing. And I was like, well, how do I find more out about it? And he's like, well, go to this website called stackthatmoney.com. And so right around that time I met him, my brother got me a job at Costco corporate. And I was like in the transition, I was like, okay, I'm about to get married. I'm about to get a better job, make 25 an hour. And, and then, well, now there's this entrepreneurship thing. And so we had a real big decision to make at that moment. I took the job to start right when I finished, but I talked to my wife and I said, listen, when we get married, we won't have really any income. We'll get this crappy apartment, but we'll have our own place. Or my mom offered to let us be in her master bedroom because we were in a small town home. It was two bedrooms in, the, in an office that wasn't even a bedroom, but my brother was in that one. Then I was in my bedroom and my mom had a little master. She said, I feel like you have something on your life that's important. I'll let you live here so you can start a business and do what you need to do. Because once you move out, 
you are going to have to work way harder to make it happen. It'll take way longer. So she let me set up, get married as fresh newlyweds in her master bedroom. And I put my desk and my computer in there. And my mom went and stayed in my old bedroom. Like sacrifices my mom made, which is why I have so much reverence for her. And to this day, everything that she does is for me. And I told her, no matter what happens in this life, when she gets older, I don't care. I'll take care of her. Yeah. Because she she opened up everything. She brought me my wife. She set up my entire life like that. And she had nothing. She just showed. She led by example. She worked. She got a degree on financial aid. She took she took everything that she could do and move forward with it. 100%. And that's, and that's what's crazy. So um, I'll touch on this last bit. That is what sparked it all because I would work 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then I started moving shift to a four-hour shift. So, sorry, I went to work for Costco. I started testing out the ads. I worked there for two to three months. And then the manager was like, hey, something seems off. Like, you were really, like, excited about work because who wouldn't be making 25 an hour at that time? This is 2015. And I didn't have anything. I didn't have any bills. So... I actually went and called my old manager at my old downtown Seattle job because that was easy. I'd be on a bus. I can work on, from the bus. And then while I'm at that job, it was easy enough. They gave me a really flexible schedule. So I stepped back to a lower income position and I went to do something that would allow me to step into this entrepreneurial realm and test and be from a, a footing of if everything fails, oh no, I'll just get another job. But I wasn't going to quit the job until I started something and actually made it work. Yeah. A lot to dissect there, man, but I, yeah. I really love it because we have very similar stories, uh, similar tell to me, you, network marketing, how I cut my teeth in entrepreneurship. Is that really? Up until that time, uh, no goals, no vision, no financial literacy, never read a book in my life. And then similar to you, met a guy who introduced me to this network marketing thing, making $30,000 a month from his smartphone, smoking a bong in Hawaii. And for some reason, that just unlocked the belief and almost kind of like a cheat code that I didn't have to go the traditional route. I didn't have to do the 40-40-40 plan of going to get a job, working 40 hours a week for 40 years of your life to hopefully retire one day, go on vacation twice to Hawaii with your wife and call that a life. And for me, and it's it's interesting that you say this because I, not exaggerating, probably know a hundred plus people who are all doing very well in life, all in multiple different industries, multiple different careers, but all working for themselves with no income and and living a very fulfilled life as a young professional because of network marketing, because of getting exposed to personal development and books like Think and Grow Rich and Napoleon Hill and understanding the spiritual side of success. And I don't know what it is about that industry that has created so many success stories. It's probably the foundation of personal development. But I would say, similar to you, another thing that you touched on, being able to take a risk and hop into some type of entrepreneurial venture for you. It was affiliate marketing, which we'll get into. It's what you're still doing today. But you wouldn't have been able to take that risk if you had a lot of overhead or if you had rent or if you had kids that you had to support. And what happens, I think, I really do think a life hack for you guys that are listening, that are young, that don't have that many responsibilities or that many bills, is you need to find something where you can bet on yourself. Mm. And the challenge is the older you get, the more responsibilities you have, the more financial constraints you get into, and you don't have the luxury and the flexibility to go out there and try something new and fail because there's other people depending on you. So Mm. many of my friends and so many people who I know that have been on this show and people that I look up to, 
were able to sacrifice a couple years of their life of maybe not making much income, but learning and developing and networking and becoming the person that they need to be because they didn't have the high stress of all these big overhead. So they were able to take that leap of faith. But yeah, something about entrepreneurship, man, and network marketing and that exposure to personal development, it frames your mind in a way that you believe anything is possible. And regardless if you stay in the industry, regardless where you go after that, I'm a firm believer that you take yourself wherever you go and that you're our biggest asset, right? The best investment you can make, as cliche as it is, is, is truly in yourself because it doesn't matter what industry, whether it's network marketing, affiliate marketing, direct sales, uh, entrepreneurship, whatever, you bring yourself to every single venture and your ability to provide value and be stoic and have emotional flexibility will dictate how successful or unsuccessful you are in that job. 100%. And inside of the network marketing thing, they, they didn't just give you a couple of books to read. They had this whole thing called Black Diamond or something like that. It was their self-development um, like group. And so they gave you all these videos and things to read and look at. So it really sharpened your mind because just like you said, the 40-40-40 thing, they would have these little meetings all around the, the cities and they would go, do you really want to just go camping every summer on the east side of Washington? Which for us, that was like, because the east and west of Washington is very different. The west side of it's all like rainy and trees and all that. And the east side is like tumbleweeds. Yeah, like it's the Hamptons like, in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like Vegas, honestly. It's yeah. like just kind of dry and, you know, it slows down in the summertime. It's 100 plus degrees. But in the wintertime, it gets crazy cold, you know. So it's kind of similar to that. But that was the whole thing. He would like touch on these little points that would like really make you feel it, right? But the self-development thing really unlocked it to go, there is so much more to this life. And you are 100% correct about the young entrepreneur, there is nothing, nothing you have to lose when you develop yourself and you take those risks at a young age. Because for me, I have a daughter now, I have a wife now, I got bills to pay, I have a car, I got a house, I have all these things. And if I am not aligned, I'm not disciplined, I don't have a structure to my day, it can all fall apart as fast as you got it. Because in this world, and it's so hard to say, because yeah, you can be that guy who's who's has a bong and he's in Hawaii or whatever, making 30K a month. But a lot of times, especially when you're young, if you start doing that too early and relaxing before it's all set up for you, you will lose it as fast as you got it. 100%. Mm -hmm. I agree. What, what do you think is the difference on that topic between, because to your point, a lot of the people that I started with in network marketing who were my inspiration and people I looked up to, this is back in 2012, 2013, 2014, before I got into my current business, I thought, you know, I used to look up with that, look up with them. They were my mentors at the time. And now fast forward five, six, seven, eight, nine years, they're still doing okay, but they never really hit that trajectory again. Or maybe they made success in one venture, they hit it big and they're making all this money and they lost and they're never get it, they're never able to get it back. What do you think the difference is between the person who can go out there and create success and sustain it and continue to progress versus the flashes in a pan that maybe get quick success, but they're not able to sustain it? Comfort is the enemy of success, straight up. I have had this happen many times and I keep pushing forward, but there have been plenty of times where I'd seek comfort. I'd reach a new milestone. I'd hit 10K in profit in one day with my affiliate marketing business. Now, granted, anyone listening, I don't make 10K a day in net profit. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you reach a new milestone and then you like, boom, I hit it. And then you get comfortable. It's just, it's just like when you're in network marketing, you get, you get a few people and then you're like, wow, cool, my income went up. But if you don't sustain it, you don't keep pushing, you don't have something to continue moving you forward, you will fall behind. And it's very easy for that to happen, but you need to understand that you cannot just 
think that every, you can hit one milestone and it'll sustain you. You have to continually push it forward. And that's what I coach people on today because the one thing I wish I had, and I mean, granted, I'm only 29 years old and I feel like I'm, I should be in my 40s at this yeah. point with how much I've been through in my life, but I'm 29. And people just say, you just, you're supposed to grind in your 20s, then you can start making money in your 30s, you know, that whole, the whole phrase, right? Yep. And so I've been through quite a lot since starting business when I was 21. And the one thing I can say is having, having a strict disciplined routine will always keep you on guard. For me, I wake up at 5 a.m. every day. I follow specific macros for my body. I work out every single day. And I'm always developing self. There's another book by Napoleon Hill called Outwitting the Devil. Great book. And it explains specifically about what the habit of drifting is and how easy it is for people to fall off from any success they have in life and just get veered off in any other direction. The ways that these things come up, what the habit of drifting is, is everyone's got a vice in their life. It could be alcohol, it could be gambling, it could be hitting snooze in their alarm, it could be eating too much food and those types of vices. But the one thing about it is the enemy of the devil in this world does not care what it is, that he will find it, take advantage of it, and then push those in front of you. But the strong, disciplined mind will, will be able to discern the difference and be able to go against what the, the negative things are and pursue the success in life. So for example, hitting Susan your alarm once in a while will lead to you now failing to wake up a little bit earlier and then you're gonna start, okay, well, I missed this. It's a loss for the day. And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab that snack and then I'm just not gonna hit my numbers in business today and I'm gonna start a little bit late here. Oh, I'm gonna scroll my Instagram now. You are starting, a, it's, it's drifting. Like if you just follow that story, how many people have just hit snooze in their alarm in the morning and all of a sudden now, because you didn't wake up and stack a win immediately, that's what I call a super important. I don't hit snooze ever. And if I do, I, I legitimately missed it, but I don't knowingly go up and hit snooze just five more minutes because that immediately tells your brain that's a loss right away. Mm. You can't start your day losing right away. You got to start stacking a win and just keep that sucker rolling. And then you stay sharp consistently. And so I, anytime that I've had issues in business or I've fallen off is when I seek comfort and I'm not continually progressing something, something has to be the care at the end of the stick, right? 100%, man. You know, every decision we make, I, I do believe you're either moving forward to growth or forward to comfort. And no one's perfect. You know, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I snooze every once in a while. I'm not as disciplined as my boy David over here. But you're right. It does because... Atomic Habits, another great book. It, mm -hmm. it talks about, you know, habits are really hard to make uh, to start off, but once you actually create those neuro pathways and you get that 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 uh, that muscle memory going, whether it's mental memory or muscle memory, uh, then it becomes easier. But the compound effect, which is a great book as well, is either working for you or against you, right? Every little thing you do, you're either moving forward to your goals or further away. There's an illusion that there is stagnancy. Stagnancy doesn't exist. You're either growing or decaying. You're either progressing or you're regressing. And I think what happens with people is they have this illusion of stagnancy or they get burnt out, which we'll talk about in a second, or they lose, uh, they lose track of their purpose or they get undisciplined for whatever reason. And they think they're staying at the same spot, but they're actually regressing because now they're developing habits that aren't serving them and moving them in the wrong direction. David, question for you. Do you believe in burnout? And if not, how do you avoid that in order to keep that level of discipline? Because a lot of people would be like, man, you know, I could wake up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m., you know, for a week, for a month. But man, if I get sick or if I travel or if 
some circumstance comes into play, then I regress back to my old habits. How do you continue that discipline and sustainability? And how do you not allow yourself to get burnout? Burnout is one of the, it's another trick of the devil. It is, it is, there's always some kind of escape that's getting thrown your way. It's almost like you're trying to dodge all of these, these landmines in a way, Mm. you know? And I don't want people to walk around in fear 24 seven. You shouldn't be at all. But I've just wanted to say that burnout is something that people just say all the time just to give you an out, to make you feel better about not waking up the next day and just tackling it. Because the thing that I've always found is I've always said burnout, 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 you know, because I'm really big into health and fitness and that's what I coach on now as I coach on fitness, mindset, nutrition. I set up your nutrition, I get you fit, I set up your workouts anywhere in the world and then we get a, a call weekly and we do a mindset coaching to get you aligned. But all that to say is that anytime that you are feeling that burnout, feeling that discipline. I was big on saying, well, make sure you get at least seven, eight hours of sleep because if you don't, you'll feel burnout and you'll feel exhaustion. So make sure you're optimized there. But oftentimes, if you are chasing a goal so big and so important in your life, how does burnout exist? If you love what you do every single day, where does that burnout come from? Like I could have been burnt out. I was just in Florida for three and a half weeks, that time zone, then I came back and then now I'm in Vegas, which is epic but I could have felt burnt out because yesterday I got maybe two, three hours of sleep, which I don't like to do because you do that long enough in general, your body will just hate you. But mentally, you have to be able to create a mindset that can overcome these things. So yeah, I woke up and I hopped on Christopher Lewis's podcast yesterday. He hit me up last minute and I had just arrived and I was like, I'm just gonna maybe go to the hotel early, maybe catch a nap or something or get get check on my stats with affiliate marketing, do something, but no. I felt a extreme calling on my life to change others. So when the podcast called, I said, yes, I will do it. I don't care if I feel burnt out. I'm gonna wake up for it. So if you are doing something in your life that you have so much passion for, the burnout, it may be there, but if you want it bad enough, you'll push through those little limiting beliefs in your head and unlock something important. Mm. It's like an adrenaline rush. When you have to get something done in a short amount of time, you will get it done. But if you have three, four months to get it done, you will wait a long time until that very last moment. But if you are continually creating habits in your day, which is why I'm talking about the daily habits and waking up and all that, create those habits, eat right, go work out, do something that you have your own structure to. So that if you fall off, if you feel burnt out, you can create a reset. You can go back to, okay, I hit snooze. Well, now now I realize that I'm not feeling as good and productive this week. What did I do to be good? Oh, I woke up at 6 a.m. every single day. Oh, I ate the right food I was supposed to eat. Now I feel better. I don't feel as sluggish anymore. And then that hopefully that explains was specifically with the burnout is get back on it and focus on your goals. And if you were so passionate about them, the burnout would not even exist. Yeah, no, I love that, man. You're not tired. You're just uninspired. That, that's it right there. Yeah, and, yeah. and I agree. You know, it, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because... I feel like successful people, and, and I think men in general, they do the things they have to do regardless of how they feel about it. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that the, the, the male energy, if you want to go out there and create success in any area, whether we're talking about fitness, financial, your relationship, is we don't get the leisure of just doing things when we feel like it. You know, yeah. if, if 
every day I just did what I feel like, especially early in my career. No one feels like knocking doors in 120 degree weather, which is what I did for five years out here in Vegas. No one feels like that, but you're so disciplined and you're so committed to your goals and your dreams and the things that you do it regardless the way you feel. And I feel like a lot of people out there, the reason they're not hitting that stride because it takes time. It takes time to do those little wins, those daily disciplines. You know, you wake up one day after doing something for weeks and months and years, and then you start to see the result. It doesn't happen right away. But a reason they're not able to do that is because they'll be strong for a couple of days. They'll be strong for a couple of weeks. And then they start to drift. As you talked about, the mm -hmm. devil starts to put vices and distractions and they start to get unfocused and then they get sick or then they go on vacation or then their girlfriend gets into a fight with them and they lose focus and they don't feel like doing the things that they know that they need to do in order to move the needle forward. You know, I was feeling sick last week, but I committed to a, a new workout routine that I've been doing. And my girlfriend, that, yeah. my girlfriend's like, why are you going to the gym right now? I thought you weren't feeling good. And I'm like, yeah, I don't feel good, but that doesn't mean that I'm not doing the things that I know I should be doing. How I feel has no correlation to doing the things that I need to do. And I feel like people link too much of their feelings to their activity and they wonder why they're not seeing the results. And that is the difference between motivation and discipline. Motivation will get you started and maybe for a couple of weeks, but discipline keeps you going. And I've heard people say discipline isn't doing um, is doing it even if you hate it. I'm like, no, discipline means doing it and making sure you feel like you love it because then you will actually put in the effort for it. Just like with fitness, people will go to the gym for a week or two weeks, then they'll stop and say, oh, wow, I mean, it's, I don't know how it's even possible. Or they'll do a diet and they'll lose a couple pounds and they'll gain it all back after they, you know, they call them yo-yo dieters because they haven't committed to anything. In fitness and nutrition, I say it takes about three months of fully committing to see drastic change in your body. But if you, it's just like in business, why I correlate finances and fitness so close together because you have to watch the numbers on your fitness and in your business to understand how these things work. If you start to slack in your business and you're starting to take off and then you go, whoa, I made a few hundred bucks today. Cool, I'm just gonna relax this weekend. No, 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 no. You have momentum now. It's the same thing when you work out. You don't see it, but you're building a gigantic foundation. And especially when it comes to working out, it's funny. Arnold Schwarzenegger said himself, it looks like you're doing nothing for two and a half, three months, and then the, that third month, boom, the results come. Hmm. Why do you think P90X is 90 days? Why do you think 75 hard is 75 days? Because it takes two and a half to three months to, to start something and actually see a drastic change at the end of it. Yeah, You won't. And so when most people take their foot off the gas after a month or one little bit of success, it's no wonder why they keep saying, this doesn't work, that doesn't work. We've both have probably been very, we've, we've seen, hey, this guy's a crypto millionaire. Hey, this guy's in real estate. Hey, this guy's in sales. Hey, this guy's doing that. And then you, you bounce from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. You're never committed. You don't put in the work. It's just like you try this diet, that diet, this, that you date, this girl, that girl. And you're like, she's not the one for me because she did this. It's like, dude, commit, be disciplined, and then you'll reap the rewards. Yeah, I, I think it's because they're too result-oriented and they're not process-oriented. And we're in a very quick society where that 20-year-old will pop up on Instagram, flash a Renton McLaren, and then you think that that's success. And, ooh, what is he doing on his course? That We move so fast. Our attention spans are so slow. We need it now. But they won't put in the work. They won't. Yeah. It takes years. Just like you said, five years door-knocking. It took me a minimum of a year to see any kind of progress in the affiliate marketing. And the only way I actually saw progress is what you would probably say as well. Finding a mentor or someone in that space 
would take you underneath their wing and teach you the right ways to do it. Because I, I met one of my friends who uh, is a really good friend of mine now. He's somewhat of a mentor of mine, but we're really close. He saw me posting in the in this forum about me starting to do like testing for ads. You know, I was like doing pop-ups on like phones to like get someone to download an, an app on their phone. And he was seeing my progress on there and he messaged me. And he's like, hey, I see you're doing, you know, this and that. I appreciate the hustle. I actually live pretty close to you. We should link up. Oh, by the way, I do this. And then we started linking. And then we created a mini mastermind. And then you start to understand like, when you have two minds that are coming together for one purpose and you're genuinely helping each other, so much can be created. The mastermind effect, man. It is. And I, I think that's one of the cool things about the 21st century, the information age that we're living. You know, this, what we're creating right now is a mastermind. And there's so much content online. There's so much access. You talked about mentorship. And I agree, you know, smart people learn from other people's mistakes, uh, smart people learn from their own mistakes, brilliant people learn from other people's mistakes. But in the 21st century, there's not really an excuse on not knowing how to do something or not knowing how to make money or not having the resources. It's not a resource problem. It's a resourcefulness problem because you can go on YouTube University, you can go listen to Audible Academy, anything that you want to find out in life, whether it's fitness, whether it's business, whether it's relationships, whether it's health, anything, you can literally go on in 30 seconds and find people who have had mastery in these industries and they will be willing to teach you in a lot of cases for free free content on how to do that so it's definitely not an information issue it's an execution issue it's a belief issue it's a desire issue like thinking you rich talks about and for anyone out there that isn't pursuing something that they're passionate about or stuck in a normal nine to five that they have no desire to be in it's just making that first step, taking the first step, even if you may not see the whole staircase, and having trust and faith in the process that as long as you follow your intuition, things will work out. Yeah, and it's don't bounce around from thing to thing. Because the one thing also the 21st century did was give you so many options. Yes. When you have so many options, you're going to just keep bouncing around. You have to pick one and stay with one. It's just like marriage. Like, Yes, you can date around 24-7, but you're never going to create a lasting relationship with a girl if you continually find one fault, move on, one fault, move on. Look at the look at couples from back in the day. They're still like 80 years old and married. And they're like, we've been married for 55 years. Yep. Like, how do you do that? Like, me and my wife have been married for eight years. You know, we'll go on just about eight years. And we got married in 2015 in August. Well, it's next week. Matter of fact, week from today. And what I always say is just, you pick the one thing and you go after it. I, me and my wife found each other. We're going after it forever together. That's what we find. We've, we, we know what we're getting into it with. But with the kids these days, they always want something new. And hopefully what we're talking about, they can take out of it is, yes, you can learn from these mentors for free, but just pick something that you feel like you can pursue. And if someone had told me a long time ago, just door knocking in sales eventually would make you millions of dollars and now you'd be coaching people and doing all this stuff and talking on stage, not necessarily coaching, but speaking and helping and growing. People wouldn't believe it, but they don't put in the years required. Like people see me as a veteran in my space in affiliate marketing because I've been doing it. Like when I first started in 2016 or end of 2015, I started testing it, but 2016 is when the business started. I've been, I always reinvent myself. I always test something new in there. I'm always pushing things forward and I'm never giving up. That's the one thing people just, they always give up way too soon. They, they find one reason to stop and they will. Just like what you said when you felt a little bit sick and your girl was like, just stay home. You're like, 
but this is what I want to do right now. And I'm going to tackle it. Even if I don't feel so good, I'm going to get it done. That's the grit and the difference that a lot of people just need to develop. Well said, man. Let's talk about fitness a little bit because I know you're you're a life coach. You focus on on mindset and fitness. What is the relationship in to entrepreneurship and fitness, and why do you think it's so important? Man, I'm gonna throw out a really fun statistic. It is more rare to have a six pack in America than to be a millionaire. Meaning, people don't want to be disciplined enough to focus on their food and their body because it's so much. It's it's more difficult than it is to make a million dollars. Then you be a millionaire and have a six pack. You are the 1% of the 1%. And what do most people do when you first meet them? No, they don't look at your shoes. They go, they look at your body. They can see you. If you see someone who's fit, like, dude, I see your bicep vein right now. I know you work out. What does that tell me? That means you take care of yourself. That means you eat right. That means you actually put in sweat, blood, and tears every single day, or at least enough to create results. So that would probably tell me that you probably have some kind of success in life or some kind of knowledge where you can stick to it. So I can trust you a lot more because I know that you, your physical body is a representation of your inner self-discipline. Mm. And I love that phrase that my mentor Wes Watson told me because that is completely, completely true. Anytime you walk in and you see someone that's ripped and disciplined, you know they probably got something going for them. And it's always funny to me. It's like you can find someone who is like a personal trainer at the gym, who isn't like an online coach where they can reach a bunch of people. They're just making like a few grand a month, and but they're really, really, they're really, really fit, but they just aren't smart financially. And then you have the people who are overweight, but they're billionaires. But what ends up happening? Look at, look at like Jeff Bezos. He's really in shape now. I mean, you got Elon Musk is trying to get in shape. Zuckerberg's over here, like, you know, do martial arts Training and stuff MMA, like that. Yeah. yeah, it's like they made all this money, and now it's like my health is very important. Mm. And the correlation between those two is you got to be, uh, I mean, the discipline is the bedrock, but that shows with your daily routine and the, the physical aspect is important. Feeding and fueling your body. Like, if you, if someone hasn't read it yet, read through or listen to the audiobook of Outwitting the Devil. One of the, the parts of it is about gluttony and eating. It's like another trick the devil does is getting you overfed or underfed because your body's a direct result of what you're feeding it. Like, yeah, working out is important, but if the fuel you're giving yourself is optimal, it's like you're putting race gas in a Prius, that's not gonna make it function right, or you're putting the cheapest gas in a Bugatti, it's not gonna function right, you're gonna get misfires and all kinds of problems. So it's not even just go to the gym, it's you have to be able to fuel your body. And it says in the book of what I was the devil, if you overfill your body, you're just creating sewage waste and it's clogging up your arteries in your body and you can't perform, which is again, which gets you in the habit of drifting and you're not aligned. So I find that a lot of people who want to see success, you also need to be focusing on your mindset. Well, focus on the mindset by being fit and healthy and being at least aware of those enough to put efforts daily into doing it. Yeah, man. How you do one thing is how you do all things. Correct. And for to be honest with you, for the for the first five years of my my entrepreneur career, like I neglected my body, I neglected my health. I was the guy that was like, let me become successful first, let me become rich first, and then I'll focus on my health, and then I can buy all organic, and then I'll hire my private chef and nutritionist. And then about four years ago, I came to the realization that's completely backwards. You know, I was looking at it as the do be have or the have be do in reality it's be do have right first you have to be the right person in order to do the right things to eventually have the results 
And I quickly realized I was a hypocrite, man. I was training people, my salespeople on personal development and becoming the best version of yourself. And I wasn't living that myself. So I had to commit to the gym. And growing up, I never went to the gym. High school, I never went to the gym. College, I never went to the gym. But I made a commitment that, hey, this is something I'm going to tackle because this is part of the journey of becoming the best version of myself. And now that I go consistently four or five days a week, I train a little boxing, I work out, I've never felt better, not just physically, but mentally as well. My confidence, my my conviction, the way that I carry myself, I'm definite that I wouldn't have reached the level of success financially if I didn't put that same level of focus into my body. So when it comes to nutrition, David, because I know that's something you focus on heavily as well, you, mm -hmm. you coach, there's a lot of information out there with nutrition and health and what you should be, a lot of fad diets. I actually just watched a documentary yesterday on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's like poison and it talks about, uh, talks about like the health system in Nevada and the food and all this stuff. In your best way possible, what should people be eating? How much of it should they be eating in order to get the desired result of having, you know, fit, fit body? You know, it's crazy. I, um, so I, I really don't like a vegan diet just because the agriculture and a lot of these, these shows on Netflix documentaries, all that stuff, they talk about the problems with, you know, all the commercial farming, all of the really low quality chicken. I mean, you, you can't escape it. I mean, you'll find one guy on Instagram telling you that carbs are bad, another one telling you that carbs are good. There was so much misinformation. I, I did keto since like 2019 and I did carnivore and then carnivore, all the guys who were doing carnivore were like, do animal-based, which just means you just add honey and fruit to your diet. Oh, we're back to carbs, fats, and proteins again. We're all mm -hmm. getting pretty normal. So I went down that journey, you know, I've, I was just like what you said. So. I was pretty fit when I got married. And then when I started making some money, I was just focused on the success aspect of it. And, you know, I would like take my little dog on a walk. I'd be having these little Ferrero Rocher candies, eating them. And like, I go to the gym, but my, my meals weren't good. I didn't know exactly how much food I was supposed to be eating. I just kind of ate okay. And then kind of slacked off and my body was a result of it, you know? And so in 2019, I did keto and like I lost weight initially. And then you could do only keto for so long before you start going, oh yeah, but there's also these other treats that I can have that are keto. And then you start going off down that tangent and now you're back at the same weight again. Mm. And so I did all these things. I got so frustrated. I'm like, how can I lose weight and then gain it back? Lose weight, gain it back. Because this guy told me that I need to eat this way to see results. You don't have to track your calories, just eat this way and you'll be fine. What I've come to the realization of is I have found, especially when it comes to getting ripped or losing weight and gaining muscle, there is a specific amount of carbs, fats, and proteins that are optimal. But a lot of it is just calories in, calories out, and then I deal with the internals of what those those have. So you need a certain amount of protein to fuel your muscles, certain amount of fat for your hormones, and then a certain amount of carbs for fuel. Now keto, you can use fat for fuel, right? Like everyone always says. But the other thing too is it's more optimal to use carbs when you're working out. And I, that to me was like the most annoying thing to hear because I was such a big keto guy and I like the keto diet, nothing wrong with it. It's just when it comes to optimizing, it's good to have all, it's good to have a bit of everything, but you just have to know what your numbers are, how much calories you should be intaking based on your goals. So I showed you some pictures before we started. And if anyone goes on my Instagram, they'll see it because I always post before and afters of what I looked like in 21. And then when I started my, my when I started testing my coaching programs on myself and actually flowing down you know, how much carbs, fats, and proteins to have and following these formulas that I teach my clients to do and I set it all up for them. We shred you first so we, we get you to lose all the extra body fat that you have that you want to get down to see your six pack for the first time and do it in a controlled manner where you can track it. 
once you can track it, it sounds complicated, but I teach how to do it. And it's so easy. You look at the back of the label and you go, oh, that's what a carb is. Mm. That's what a fat is. And that's what a protein is. And this is what it looks like on a plate. So I focus my clients on doing whole foods. I say the best type of meat I tell people to do is lean ground beef. If you're going to do chicken or turkey or any of these types of birds, if you can get pasture raised and get organic, that's better because it's not only just like eating whole foods, it's the quality of them. And I'm sure poison would go into that as well. You know, they talk about a fact, you know, one of those like chickens that's like cooped up in a corner and the quality of the, the meat and how it nourishes your body, like the fat that's in like the chicken is way lower quality. It's full of all different types of chemicals in it versus like a chicken that's out on pasture and is a happy chicken. Totally different like way that it breaks down in your body and how you're gonna feel. So that's why a lot of like these really high chemical and pesticides like fruits and veggies people always have, like it's like a vegan diet will cause a lot of problems in people like intestinally long-term because of they're not having animal protein, which for humans is pretty darn ideal. Mm -hmm. Could you survive on a vegan diet? 100%. It's just not optimal. If you want to optimize, you need a bit of everything. So I have a lot of like lean ground meat. I have a lot of eggs. I have a lot of egg whites and eggs. And then I have a lot of fruit, white rice, potatoes, like very whole foods. And then I just break them down into the right carbs, fats, and proteins that I need. So when I started doing my, my own programs myself before I started teaching others, I was at 217 pounds, kind of I had muscle on me, but it was all hidden by extra fat. And then I went from 217 at about 12% body fat all the way down to 4.5% within three months. And I retained my, my size because I had sufficient protein. I knew how much I needed. Because if you don't have enough protein and you go on a cut, you are going to lose muscle. You're naturally going to lose muscle anyways, but you're going to retain more of it. And then having a higher amount of carbs, which is what I have my clients typically do, you're able to continue fueling your body. And then having enough fat will make it so you don't screw your hormones up and have way too little testosterone and, and all of that. So it's pretty simple once you once I get you on the program. But then once you're there and you're all cut and you're like, man, what's the next step? Then we could get you into maintenance mode. Then you'll start feeling a little bit better. And then we'll even bulk you. Like I I, I was telling you, showing you, was went from 196 back to 217, but my body composition was completely different. I still had somewhat of abs and I had was way bigger. And I had lower body, I was about, eight and a half percent body fat at the same weight. So I was a 4% body fat difference after a big bulk. I was eating 6,000 calories a day at Ish. the end of it. Yeah, nuts. But now I'm kind of in maintenance mode, somewhat of a cut. I'm, I'm keeping my body maintained and still really, really nice where it's at. But that's the whole thing. It's knowing what you need to attain your goals. It's just like, I don't even use cardio in my programs primarily as a way to lose weight. Just weightlifting. Weightlifting, and if you want to do any kind of cardio, just go on a walk. The whole thing is I did 75 hard. I've done it three times. Are you familiar with it? Yep. So whoever's not familiar with 75 hard, it's a program for 75 days. Andy Frizzella created it. It's free. You just have to, just have to follow a diet, eat a, gallon of, uh, eat a gallon of water, drink a gallon of water a day, follow a diet, work out twice a day. Um, you have to take a picture of yourself every day. And no then, alcohol. No alcohol. And then... Um, Free tip agents of a self-development book every single day. So those things. And so while doing that, you're now working out twice a day, seven days a week, and you're eating good. So naturally, you're going to lose weight. But as soon as you're off it, if you don't sustain that lifestyle, and so you pull the second cardio workout, now your caloric deficit is gone. Then you're going to put weight back on. So it's that's why 75 Hard is a fantastic self-development tool. And it's exactly what Andy says. He says, it's not a weight loss program. This is self-development. This is mindset. Because you were you were forcing yourself to work out twice a day. 
you, yeah, you'll get, you'll, you'll look good, but don't think you're going to, you're going to lose weight and stay it off forever. Because as soon as you stop running every single day for seven days a week, you're going to put it back on. I had guys on my program that have been on it two, three times, 75 hard, and they'd always, they always gain the weight back. Yeah. I think sustainability is the big point that you hit on right there mm -hmm. in anything, you know, in fitness and yeah. business in relationship, it's like, how do you create sustainability? Because no one wants to be the guy that goes hard for 75 days or does something, loses a bunch of weight, gets super fit, and then they're not able to sustain it. They gain on their weight back. Or no one wants to be the person that builds a big business or loses it or makes a lot of money and then regresses. It's all about creating sustainability, which sometimes part of it, you do need to sprint hard and do certain things to, you know, whether it's muscle memory, whether it's mental memory to trick yourself to maybe believe that you're someone that you're not in the current moment, shift that identity. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you understand that it is a marathon and you don't want to commit to something where you know that you're not going to be able to keep that promise to yourself long term because I would argue you actually lose self-trust, you lose confidence when you say you're going to do something and don't do it or you achieve something and then lose it. It makes it that much harder uh, to not be discouraged. Well, that and that just breeds a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Like when you know you have to get something done and you don't do it, that's what makes anxiety really, really tough or you put something off for so long and it's in the back burner. You know, I learned this lesson all the time in business. Like, when there are certain things that are like a nagging problem, you're like, no, I've heard people in entrepreneurship tell me just focus on the big things and just you don't, don't worry about the small things. It's like, yes, within reason, but you also have to remember that the small things turn into big problems if you don't address them. Just like when you're going, in a, you're going down your success journey and starting a business and you don't have any kind of fitness nutrition aspect of it, you're ignoring a very important part of your yourself, which is your body. So yeah, you can sprint to try and make money real quick and then I'm gonna catch back up with, with my health. It can work for sure, but if you just do them together, it's so much better. You can continue going even further. I like to say optimize if you can, because otherwise you do create some sort of burnout. That 75 day sprint, and then when you let off the gas without having any kind of, any kind of checks and balances in place, that's where the burnout's created. Like you can keep doing 75 hard and you can kind of pull back on some of the extra cardio and then adjust and then keep doing it as a lifestyle. That works totally fine. But it's for the people that do it and then stop, do it and then stop. And then they're always complaining why they can't get anywhere in life. Just like when they do a dive for a little bit and then they stop. Or they start this business and then a friend shows them another shiny object and they go over there. But they can never see anything because all the guys that they're competing against have been in the industry for five years, 10 years, and they just kept working at it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely, man. David, you're obviously a super disciplined guy, disciplined in your fitness, disciplined in your business, disciplined with your relationship and your family. Do you have any practices or rituals that you do consistently that keeps you grounded, keeps you zen, and keeps you optimal? Yeah, so I wake up at the same time every day, 5 a.m. I wake up and I do a quick little post on my supplements every single morning. I have my coffee. I read, I read 10 pages or 15, 20 minutes of a self-development self book every single day. So I still do that every single day. And then I always say gratitudes for, or, or visualize for about 10 to 15 minutes. I say what I'm grateful for every day. It puts my mind in such a state. I'm aligning myself with God, first of all. I'm saying, God, thank you for my wife. Thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you for the, the body that you've given me. Thank you for the mind you've given me. Thank you for all these opportunities, all these issues, all these things I can work through. And then I get all my urgent stuff done with work. I go to the gym and then I continue pushing things out in, in, in life and with family and stuff like that. But that routine in the morning to me is key, which is why a hit and snooze for me is just like, it's a big no-no. Because if I start myself off with like five different wins, 
that sets me up for the rest of my day to be able to keep pushing every day. Like when I came to Vegas this morning, I was up at 5 a.m. Mm. Even though I had a few hours of sleep the night before, and then last night I was busy up uh, working on a call with my cousin, and didn't go to sleep until like 12:30, 1 a.m. Woke up at 5 a.m. and I'm chipper. So you can still maintain those when you travel. You don't have a separate like travel version of those practices. No, still 5 a.m. Yeah, I'll force it. You know, like it, the only thing I'll ever have to change is like say like when I went to Florida. I took like a nap and then I may go to sleep the first couple of nights a little bit early, but I'm up at 5 a.m. every day because that is my structure. In the evening, that's like I can stay up a little bit. I can go to bed early if time allows it. But the 5 a.m., the way I start the first half of my day is extremely, extremely important to getting all the things and the most urgent things tackled. Because if you're falling behind, your anxiety's up, your stress is up, you, you'll miss this, you'll miss that. And that's why having something that you can do consistently every single day and sustain it, like you said, sustainability is very key. Yeah, no, I would agree with you, man. I think those first 30 minutes, first hour, and last 30 minutes, last hour of your day are the most important. The way I kind of look at it is like, you know, back in the medieval days, you would never go out to war without putting your armor on to protect you from all the challenges and adversity out there. And you would never go home to your family and your wife and go to rest without taking your armor off for the day. I look at the morning and nightly practice as starting and end capping your day. If you don't have that morning to yourself, whatever it looks like, you don't, everyone, you know, not everyone's waking up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., but figuring out what works for you and making sure that you take that time for yourself and have non-negotiables, it's going to set you up and put armor on as you go through the modern war, which is business and your job and out there, because you can't control the bulk of your day, but you can absolutely control the first half, the first 30 minutes and the last 30 minutes to make sure you're giving yourself the best chance to show up the way that you need to throughout that unpredictable portion of the day. 100%. David, let's talk about victim mentality a little bit. Because when I think of why people don't win, and obviously you're a coach, so you see different characteristics and traits and patterns with your clients when it comes to people that take your advice um, and take the support and go out there and crush it, and unfortunately those that probably don't, how important is it to break the victim mentality? And in your experience coaching, what benefit or negative has that played in your client's life? The biggest thing I see with the victim mentality is I could have told myself, my story, grew up, single parent family household, woe was me, no father around. I could have used that my entire life. And anytime something bad happened and say, oh, I just didn't have my dad around. That's why I'm lashing out on my wife. Oh, I didn't have this. That's why I'm that way. We are so focused on our past and the downsides of our life. We create the reality around us based solely off of what we tell ourselves every single day. One of the big things that's a part of my, my mindset is I tell, I show people and teach them how to overcome their vices whether it be alcohol, whether it be girls, whether it be drugs, whatever it is, to overcome that, you have to stop paying attention to the problems in your life and all the issues that you have with them and say like the guy who can walk into a bar and not order the drink, even though he's, he was an alcoholic, how does he, how is he no longer an alcoholic? He doesn't sit there and just think about the alcohol 24 seven and, and abstaining from it. He's moved past it. Mm. He's not thinking about it anymore. Like I had an issue um, growing up. This is a whole deep topic. I mean, I don't know how, how long we have now, but the only things I had an issue growing up, most, most most men do, is porn. That was their biggest thing. And so for me, that was always my problem until last year stopped 100%. What was the difference and why did I stop? My wife didn't know about it until this December when I told her until I was fully sure I'm good. That's the one hidden thing that most guys do. Don't, 
girl never wants to ask the boy that, but hundred percent, I'm gonna tell you most of the time that's their, that's one of their things they're hiding from you. And watch, it, the girls gonna start hitting up their guys. And I'm gonna yeah. have issues, but y'all gotta quit it straight up. It's it's destructive. But what ended up happening is now why I don't even care. I can come to Vegas and not be tempted by the nude signs going by or the girls like half naked. I don't care. I have a beautiful wife. I always have. But the thing is, you had to fix the man internally first. And so I had to pull out the roots from me. And what I do now is I wake up every single day and I kill the old version of me. Mm. And I chase a version of me that I want to become one day. I want to become a billionaire. I want to, be, I want to help transform thousands and thousands and thousands of life with my coaching programs, help them excel in all avenues of life, whether it be with just being a better father, dropping their alcohol, making a million dollars, optimizing. One of my guys is in the same industry as me. He had, a, he had a, a, his addiction, video games. And he was like, he joined the program. All of a sudden he's like, okay, David is legit. He's the same guy on Instagram that he is in his every single day life. We're on the calls every single week. And he's and he was playing video games and he was coasting in his, in his affiliate marketing business, making 10 grand a month. And then all of a sudden he's now doing like 50K plus a month. Why? He stopped playing the video games, stopped going through all the vices and all those addictions that were causing it. And he's chasing something greater. He's chasing the elite version of himself every single day, the version of the man that he wants to become. So he has something at the end of that stick that he's actually chasing. Instead of looking at all the problems, looking at the successes where you want to be in life. You're not looking behind you, you're looking forward. Mm. I agree with you, man. And that's super powerful. And I would agree with you. When I look back at my own journey, it's getting clear, as Thinking Grow Rich talks about, your chief aim who do you want to be? What type of lifestyle do you want to live? What kind of impact do you want to make? What kind of situation do you want to provide to the people you care about? You need to get crystal clear with that vision and the why for what you do. If you, if me or you go on the street of Las Vegas right now and we asked 100 people, why do you do what you do? Why do you go to work in the morning? What is your chief aim? What's the goals that you want to accomplish for your family and future family? I would, I'm a betting, not a betting man, but I would bet that 95 out of those 100 people wouldn't know why they do what they do. Mm -hmm. And that's the first step to your point. It's identifying why am I doing what am I going to do? Why am I going to have enough commitment, discipline, and commitment to stop watching porn or stop playing video games or stop smoking weed or partying? Because if that why isn't greater than the thing that is stopping you from achieving the thing that you want, then you're never going to be able to do it. So identify why you're doing what you're doing, create that vision, and then just hold on to that thing with dear life. Because as long as you can continue to suppress that vision and that goal upon your subconscious mind, it starts to become the new filter that you look at the world. Every decision you make, every challenge, every big opportunity you face, you now have that as in your decision-making faculties, and it makes it that much easier to go into growth instead of comfort, to go into your new self instead of your old self. And as you continue to do that, it becomes that much easier to choose the way that you want to go versus the way that you used to go. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing thing, man. So, David, you've been absolutely amazing, bro. I don't want to uh, take up too much time. I know you guys have some fights uh, to go to here at the Apex. UFC, UFC. <laughs> UFC fights, exactly. Um, my last question for you, my friend. If you could go back in time, the David today, and give yourself advice to that young David who was just getting entrepreneurship, that saw that yellow Lamborghini, knowing everything you do now, having the body, the business, the relationship, what advice would you give your past self? Man. That is a really difficult one to say because I feel like everything has led up to where it is today, mm. you know? And the one thing that I can just say, and I always talk about like the mistakes I made, you know, like when I was drop shipping products in China for my first Shopify store that I had, and then I had merchant accounts get shut down. I was like, man, I wish I didn't cheap out and go with this merchant instead and save the dollar um, after every couple of orders. 
and just paid a little bit more and stayed in business, where would I be today? If we keep looking back at all these things in our life and never actually learning from them, that's a problem. So I look at everything in my life and I go, well, I don't know what else I would really change because everything I have done led up to this point and I'm continually refining the man I want to become and chasing that. So the one advice I would have is exactly what the, the story I'm on right now. It is be the best version of myself and help others get better in any way that I can and be as genuine as I possibly can. Mm. Solid answer, man. David, for the viewers out there, where uh, where can they find you, get connected, and uh, potentially hit you up for some coaching? Yeah, so I'm primarily on Instagram. So it's um, at David Fishchuk. I'm sure it's on the screen. Yep, right there. Um, also, if you look that name up really anywhere, um, YouTube, Facebook. I mean, YouTube is mainly like shorts. I'm going to work on longer form stuff here as we grow the brand a whole bunch. Um, but I'm always super active on Instagram, primarily there. So shoot me a DM on there if you want coaching, you want some advice. I'm right there. And yeah, I'd love to get connected and help you create the best version of yourself, get fit, you know, stay disciplined, chase that next next step in your life where you can get rid of all the vices, the things that are holding you back and unlock a new version of yourself, the elite version of yourself. Amen. For you dudes out there listening, hit the boy up for a six pack. He'll teach you how to get one. Get that, sustain it and know what it takes. The numbers are important. So if you ever want to return back then, we don't work together again. You're like, I understand what a macro is now. I know and I can take control of my life now. Amen, man. Well, David, you're a stud, bro. It was awesome uh, getting to know you in a little bit today. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Guys, Millennial Millionaires, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you guys got some value. As always, keep crushing it. Keep out there striving for your goals and dreams. And we'll see you on the next episode.